horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Thanks so much for listening to Winning Ponies and joining us. Greatly appreciate it. If it wasn't for you to just be me and Josh and sitting in a headset all by our lonesome. But anyhow, thanks a lot for joining us for the show. Uh, as happens a lot on this show, I've got uh, uh, two guests, uh, one that uh, is a legendary turf writer and one that is a first-time starter who's kind of come up with a unique twist on uh, on derby contests, and he's inviting all of you to play. And uh, that gentleman is a guy by the name of John Ball. I first met him um, when he was starting up uh, Horse Star Cards. You may remember... Uh, years ago when the Jockeys Guild was handing out basically baseball cards for jockeys. Well, that was all uh, John's idea. He started the company. And so he worked with the Breeders' Cup, uh, uh, the Kentucky Derby, Jockey Star Cards. And uh, luckily, because I was a participating photographer, I have full sets of several of those years. But I might want to win some more, and that's one of the prizes that's given away in this contest. So John will be our first guest, and he's going to tell us about his new racing venture, and I'm looking forward to that. It's kind of a uh, – it's it's not the National Handicapping Championship, but it's a fun way to get in on the derby duel, as he likes to call it. And then Gary West, well, he's everywhere. Um currently a frequent contributor to, uh, to ESPN and uh, – of course, uh, for years, he was the uh, turf writer for the Dallas Morning News and uh, the Fort Worth Star. And uh, luckily, he just pinged me. So I know he's definitely going to be on the show there, Josh. So uh, anyhow, Gary West, uh, he is the son of a jockey and he's from New Orleans, though you'd never know it uh, the way he speaks. Uh he almost has a English accent, but he was a college professor, and I love reading his writing. And he is uh, working with uh, with Jenny Reese now on on their uh, their project. Uh, and so he, he sends out a, a derby list, and it's the Thoroughbred News Service, by the way. We had Jenny on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so he usually puts out one really solid column, all of Gary's are, but then he's also got his uh, his derby picks, his, his top 20 picks. So uh, let's go to a place that's having not one, but two Kentucky Derby points race at the same track, and that is the fairgrounds. Now, the name of the race is the Risen Star. Of course, I got to see at the fairgrounds when he was so young, he hadn't even been named yet, owned by the same guy that owned the fairgrounds, Louis Roussel. Big, kind of a big, long, rangy two-year-old at the time. But anyhow, you know that Risen Star, uh, had he not been ridden the way he was, which was according to instructions in the Derby, may have been a Triple Crown winner. But the Risen Star has grown in such popularity as a Kentucky Derby prep race. It's one of those, we're just entering into the new points season. And uh, so now we're talking about 50, 20, 10, and 5, and basically... A 50 will usually get you into the gate 
uh, on Derby Day. This is called the Kentucky Derby Championship Series and some of the other ones that we were looking at. And we may talk about the El Camino Real at Golden Gate. Uh, that is the Road to Kentucky Derby uh, Derby prep season. That offers points of 10, 4, 2, and 1. But now we're getting into deeper water, 50, 20, 10, and 5. The thing is, we've got such a competitive field and so many horses that want to run there that they kept the purse very high and doing so Churchill Downs is allowing them to keep the Derby points for both editions of the Risen Star. And these are pretty tough. I think the 12th race is a little bit tougher of the two that drew out of there uh, because he's got five horses coming out of the LeCompte, which is a great prep race uh, for the Risen Star, uh, including the one, two, three finishers. Uh, enforceable in that race, uh, just came from out of the clouds, uh, had a terrible post position on the outside, was in 11th place after about half the race and came on charging late under Julian Le Paru to get the LeCompte. But right there was Silver State, who had a bunch of trouble during the race, only making his third lifetime start. Ricardo Santana, Asmussen's go-to guy, will be in the saddle, but he bobbled at the break, uh, was bumped, and there was six wide by the time they hit the quarter pole. And still only a neck behind him was Mr. Monomoy, who, uh, as we all know, is a half-brother to Monomoy's Gale. Somebody stole this horse, only 60000 at the Keeneland November sale. Brad Cox trains this one. So in, in a three-horse uh, finish that was very close, Mr. Monomy and Forcible and Silver State are going to be in what I feel is the tougher division. Uh, then, of course, the, the race following that is going to be another Risen Star with a new Dior, perhaps the star there. I don't have any odds, but uh, this horse was second by a head to storm the court in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, that was a tough, tough beat, I can tell you that. And just got beat a neck in the Los Al Futurity uh, Grade 2. So making the first start of the season, jockey change here. Joel Rosario will pick up the mount. And then the other points race. Now, this is the big points uh, for the girls, again, entering into a, a new era of points. This is... The championship series we're into now. And the Rachel Alexandra, who won this race when I believe it was called the Fairground Oaks, uh, will uh, be the name of this famous race. And in here, another tough one with three, hard to separate, uh, coming out of the Silver Bullet Day. It was a three-horse photo that day with Finite getting the nod over Ursula and tempers rising. And that was another really, really three horse photo finish in the silver bullet day. Uh, that's going to be a great matchup. Also at the fairgrounds, uh, we've got the mine shaft. That's a great three, 200,000 and for 150,000, uh, you can get in the gate for the grade three fairgrounds. So those are the races we're going to get to with Gary West. And, uh, so, uh, we uh, are looking forward to that part of the show. Let's look at some national news, starting off with some international news. 
And, uh, you know, I've never been a big fan of these horses shuttling all over the place, though. This was just a plane ride where he's going to reside. I'm talking about California Chrome going to Japan, a place a lot of people aren't happy to be going to these days. Um, he's recovering from what's called enteritis. Uh, so they say that he is recovering from it. Uh, he says, that according to their spokesman, that he has minor enteritis. So what is that, John? Uh, enteritis is a, it's an inflammation of the small intestine that causes distension and swelling. So you can see that wouldn't be real comfortable. It's one of several illnesses, mark this, that a horse can acquire from the stress of shipping. So gastrointestinal problems and respiratory problems are the top two health concerns associated with shipping. Now, it was from a 2015 study, health problems and risk factors associated by long-haul transport of horses in Australia. And uh, so I'm not making it up, and you know I've always felt this way if you listen to this show. Of course, California Chrome, uh, he missed what they call the horse show. They bring their stallions out, uh, but they say he should be back for the next one, and they're very happy. The farm is posting a video of him in his stall with the caption, he's eating a lot, so... If, his, if he had a tummy ache before, he's getting better. Just to recap, he was sold to uh, JS Company in the fall, uh, relocated from Taylor Made Stallions, where he entered stud in 2017. He was the most accomplished horse from the AP Indy Sire line, though a lot of people didn't think his sire was uh, popular enough to make him a, a great stallion, but that hasn't stopped him from breeding. Uh, he bred 421 mares in his first three books at Taylor Made Stallions. Now, his, his first crop sold last year. They were just yearlings. Uh, his top purchase was a $325,000 horse. And then uh, he also stood, don't forget, in the Southern Hemisphere in 2017 and 2018 in Chile. So his baby's going to be popping up all over the world in the years ahead. Well, we don't know where these horses are going to pop up, but we're talking about the, the horses uh, owned by the Zayat family. Um, the, they say that they wrongly sold American Pharaoh's rights. Uh, uh, the filing was made on Wednesday where a new organizations signed in such as Hill and Dale and Ellen J. Foxwoods. Uh, they were not aware that a lot of the purchases were going on and they just found this out since the lawsuit. And since they were partners in some of these horses, they kind of want to know what the heck is happening? So uh, they said of the breeding rights they sold, uh, nine of the breeding rights uh, fetched the Zayats at 3.3 million. That represents what some would call a, a deep a discount. Uh, a lot of people valued those at 14 million, but I guess they wanted their money and they wanted it now. Stay tuned. There's a lot more to come in this story. Well, uh, better get to some of our races that we looked at last year before we get on to uh, John Ball. Uh, the Las Virginis for three-year-old fillies. Will we see Venetian Harbor in there and making only her third lifetime start? This daughter of Monterings just jumped out to the lead by six lengths. This was a one-mile race at Santa Anita and just kicked clear under a hand ride by Flavia and Pratt to end up winning by nine and a quarter links. Of course, was the one to five favorite. Gingham was second and third. Stellar sound. 
a daughter of Tappet. Uh, then we went on to the San Vincente. Uh, these were three-year-old boys, the winner in there. Well, a Bob Baffert trainee, one of many that he's uh, has heading to the Derby with, he hopes. Nay Dahl was odds-on, one by one and three-quarter miles, very impressively. Uh, the horse had only raced six and a half. Now it stretches to seven. Going to have to get serious after this, Mr. Baffert. At Tampa Bay, mile and a sixteenth, the Sam M. Davis. And the winner at five to one, coming from uh, mid-pack, Sole Volante. Patrick being Cone trainee just ran past the leaders from the back. Independence Hall. Yeah, he was the odds-on choice in here. A lot of people liked him for the Derby. He just took over in the stretch, looked like he was going to go on, but did get caught by Sole uh, Volante. And third uh, was Aljaweed, written by Joel Rosario. One last one before we get to our break, and it was the Sun Coast a uh, race that was mandatory for the National Handicapping Championship. The easy winner was Lucrezia at 5-2-1. All right, that's a look at the races that we handicapped on Winning Ponies last week. We're going to take a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we're going to have a ball, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we are. I'm talking about John Ball. We're going to be talking to him. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, a gentleman I met, I'm going to say, at least 25 years ago, and it may have been more than that. Uh, his name is John Ball, and at the time, he 
was creating his uh, his own company, uh, Horse Star Cards, as I told you at the top of the show. And uh, I know I still have my boxes, uh, and I also still have uh, others that I still keep. Uh, like he, for a period there, he broke them up into packages with famous horses, and I hand them out to kids at the racetrack that look like they're interested. I think the last box I got was uh, mostly cigar photos. But uh, anyhow, they're, they're just a, such a neat thing to have. And jockeys, especially the young ones, when they found out they were going to get a card, it was like unbelievable. I thought it was a great concept. Don't know why it hasn't been financially banked steadily uh, throughout uh, racing's history, but I know John's got that answer. John Ball, thank you for serving as a retired naval officer. I appreciate that, and I never knew that about that till I sought out your uh your uh, bio and uh, so anyhow john how are you where are you what's going on i'm well john i'm uh, in california heading back east uh, looking to roll up our sleeves and uh, uh, attack this triple crown crop well uh anyhow you've been in touch with me and i heard this was coming and finally the official release is out and i guess it is because uh it, there's not long before your your kickoff is coming and i believe we are starting uh this week but i'm getting way ahead of myself john tell me the the uh the, the concept behind uh derby duel 2000 and what the proper name is and before we go i want to tell everybody how they get there i've already signed up so i went to derby duel 2000 i signed it was really easy and it looks like the contest is going to be not easy for me to win but certainly easy to play so let's let's rewind this and kind of give us the whole idea of uh what the thoroughbred racing challenge is going to be well yeah and it's something we've been doing uh, 30 plus years ago and that's about the time we met uh it flies so quickly uh it, uh, we've seen a lot of races since then, but our family's been doing this as a challenge. Uh, different names, but derbyduel.com is where they'll find it. And it's also under the domain name of Thoroughbred Racing Challenge, but we shorten that just so people can remember Derby Duel. But it's a family thing we were doing with 20 to 50 uh, uh, family friends and folks uh, signing up competing against each other and found out it was just such a fun concept that um, it's a great way to get involved with the racing starting in early in the February and then go right on through the Triple Crown to the Belmont. By the time we get there, we're uh, usually familiar with all these races. Not all of us have uh, got the right horses, but we've been following them and, and know little, a lot more than we would come uh, Triple Crown time. So uh, it's not just a contest. First of all, I want to let everybody know it's free, and you're Correct. still going to get a prize if you do well, or even if you just beat John, you're going to get a prize. So, hell, everybody ought to walk away with a secretariat card. But uh, So I wanted to tell them that. Again, we'll reiterate uh, where exactly you go as far as Derby Duel 2000's concern. Uh, but it does go through the Triple Crown. It's not just the Derby. Is that correct? Yes, sir, that's correct. Starts this week with the Risen Star. We had 20 races slated, and then, as you know, the Risen Star is so popular this week with the horsemen, uh, ostensibly because they've raised the, uh, the distances of the race and everything. So there are two divisions running on Saturday, so uh, folks listening to this that haven't signed up can go to derbyduel.com 
and sign up to play. And like you said, it's free, and it will always be free. We're not going to sell anybody's address, name, or anything else. It's a fun thing to get folks involved in horse racing and to get you up to speed with the Triple Crown well before we get into Derby Week when many folks actually wake up with all that. But we're going to follow it here every step of the way. Well, I'm going to make my picks, but I didn't want to make them early because I've got a handicapper that specializes in the fairgrounds coming up in the second part of the show. So I want to hear who Gary West likes before I check my box off. But it sounds like fun. It sounds like, and I went to the site and I traveled on it, that you're just kind of welcoming people into what used to be a family affair. And you just kind of want to see how many people can can we get interested. Now, I understand you don't want to get it too cumbersome. So your family is going to be limited to a thousand players that's correct and actually the story goes you you didn't know i was a naval officer but you probably don't know that my bride uh of 43 years is one of was my student at the university of washington way back in the in the mid-70s when i first started teaching a class there on horse race handicapping so this has been a family thing for a long time we have four boys and eight grandsons and every one of them are going to be involved in picking horses on this so you got a lot of balls to be to be able to to get at the top of the leaderboard. All right, there's no chance of family members getting in there and tweaking their picks later. Everything, uh, it's all on the up and up, right? I, I know you're a good all man, on John. The up and up. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to stick my neck out. I actually, I'll publicize my picks uh, mostly so my brother-in-law can chide me and and uh, put a line through my horse. So, but. Um, I know something about handicapping, but we'll see. I'm not afraid to stick my neck out. And like you said, anybody who beats me will get a free secretariat card. And those cards are sold on eBay for a lot of money, but I've never seen anyone go cheaper than 10 bucks for that card. So I'm willing to risk that. And uh, it'll be mailed to them free, anybody who beats me in the standings, regardless of how many is above me. John, you know, that that is such a unique concept, and I know that uh, photographer Pat Lang and I tried to uh, uh, revive it to an extent when we were working at Keeneland. We're like, well, if we only do the Keeneland jockeys, we got just about every top jockey in the country because sooner or later they come through here for for a, a graded stakes race and I, I just could never understand I, I know the guild doesn't have a whole lot of money but there's enough entities out there and I know you certainly weren't gouging them uh, that that the whole card concept uh, continued um, I was telling the audience early uh, it, you just I remember some younger jockeys. Well, of course, I know you remember the ill-fated Rodney Dickens. And when he held his card in his hand, he was an apprentice rider. You would have thought it was Christmas, uh, all his birthday, his wedding day, all rolled up into one. He, he, He just like... Oh my God, I got my own card. And I'm sure he's not the only jockey in America that felt that way. And I know that Jeff Johnson, the Jockey Guild, was a a big supporter of yours. And he said, yeah, he says, we make it part of our selling point that, hey, you join the guild, you're going to, you're going to have a jockey card. <laughs> and he said, a lot of people, he thought maybe that was the, what moved the needle for them going into the guild. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've, uh, you, you're not a young Turk anymore, but you've still had, uh, reasons to believe that, you know, should I revive this or should I, you know, go back and revisit it? Well, what are your feelings about it, John? Cause I thought it was great. Well, it, it certainly was. And, uh, it, 
the reason it, it ceased in, uh, in uh, 2000 uh, was for my personal reasons. We had some family uh, situation that required some attention, and I couldn't uh, uh, devote the time that was necessary then to do that. So it drew me away from racing, and I've never really, my heart is still in Kentucky. In fact, we're working to move back there right now, but... Uh, uh, there was some turmoil at the guild. There's some things that happened uh, politically that uh, it just it it, it had, had just didn't work out after that. But yes, I I still go to the track, and Jock still told me kids still stop them and 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 uh, ask for autographs on those cards. They're available on eBay, uh, but there's none actively produced uh, currently. Well, you were so kind for me contributing to the cause that uh, over time you sent me at least two full box series that, uh, trust me, have never been open. My wife wants to throw them out, and it's like, nah, that ain't going to happen, you know? You know, I got one son that's interested. I don't know. Maybe maybe someday I'll have a grandson, but it'd be a great thing to pass down to him that they'd have the entire collection for at least two seasons. Uh, again, thanks to you saying, John, here you've done a lot of good work. Take it, you know. And and uh, and I appreciated it greatly. So again, now uh, we've only got a couple minutes left left in this segment. I got three minutes, as a matter of fact. Josh has told me, uh, so I want to make sure. All right, everybody, you've had enough of a heads up. Grab your pen. But remember, we're on podcast. If you miss it, you can get it tomorrow. Uh, So you want to go to www.derbyduel2000.com. And if I can do it, you can do it. So it's very easy. Uh, he doesn't. There's no credit cards. There's no mother's middle name or you know anything that would make it difficult to sign up. It's it's very easy to sign up. And then the races are laid out for you. You don't have to go searching all over the place. Uh, the entries are listed right there, and you can just check the boxes for the horses that you want. Now I know one thing you did ask for was my email. Is that because you're going to give me a heads up? like after the first two races and kind of let me know where people are or to remind me, especially this week with uh, a holiday on Monday, there's going to be some big races coming up. Uh, is that what you'll do with everybody's emails? Just kind of say, Hey, got a heads up. Don't forget the Southwest is today. That's correct. Uh, uh, folks get busy and, and, and uh, that's the way it works on ESPN and bowl mania and, and uh, you know, the bracket system for basketball, similar thing. they Give you a reminder, so we'll do that the day before, day of, and uh, and signups. Uh, like you say, will, um, you want to be in for that first race, which will be Saturday evening Eastern time. And with folks across the country, obviously they need to check the time zones to make sure that uh, what time the race is going off. But they have to get their picks in. All they have to do is click the name of the horse, and uh, it's it's quick and easy and as you said it's free 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 and it will always be free all right well john i i I think it's great great to keep people's interest and it's just one of those things as much time as so many of us put into this anyhow i mean without getting into a heavy duty against some heavy heads in a handicapping contest it's kind of a nice way to just kind of sit back and say you know what i'm going to get in this game there's only a thousand people in it you know it's not costing me anything it's just fun is what it is and i'm sure that that was the whole reason you created it john knowing you Right. And you can see, uh, you take a look at the prizes. It's uh, 
the full complement of jockey cards as well as breeder's cup and derby cards. And as you said, the uh, anybody who beats me gets a secretary card, regardless of where I finish. And uh, and best of luck to everyone that signed up, and thank you. All right, yeah, the the. Uh, uh, it's it's 6.38 Eastern for the first race, uh, and we're going to be covered here in a little while with Gary West, and then that's followed up. The, the race is number 12 and 13 at the fairgrounds, um, what promises to be a very big and not an easy day to, to handicap. And, and then uh, it would be on President's Day. Um, the, the next one will be at Oaklawn Park. So, and John will give you a heads up about that race too. So, uh, and, and what's great too, is they get, uh, free, uh, Briss, uh, PPs for the first two races, right? Absolutely. And we'll provide those for each one of them as those are published. Uh, we'll provide past performances. We'd like to provide some guidance, but we figure that, you know, it's going to be a 50, 50 of, uh, uh, racing, non-racing fans. Some folks will be just picking a, a horse's name, perhaps, but that's the fun of it, and it's a mythical wager, win, place, and show, no money put up, but that's the uh, the the the, uh, the the way it's going to be scored by a win, place, show across the board, two dollar wager. All right, well, John, it's been great uh, touching bases with you again. I know we'll stay in touch, and I wish you uh, nothing but the best. And uh, I hope you get to a thousand, but I hope I'm at least one horse better than you to get my secretariat card. I wish you well, but I tell you, I'm particularly pleased to hear you mention about Pat Lang and Rodney Dickens. They were fine folk, and um, it's great to hear their names mentioned again. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I will forever live in my heart. All right, John Ball, thanks a lot. Check me out. I'm on your site. I'll, I'll be taking place after I pick Gary West uh, brain for uh, his selections at the fairgrounds. I thank you for being on this show today. And thank you, sir. All right. Uh, that uh, is, is, is dealing again uh, with uh, Derby Duel 2000, easy to participate. And if you need a little bit of help, don't forget our easy win forms. We had another big week uh, from uh, on the West Coast, really did well at Golden Gate. Uh, we uh, just uh, had a uh, $1 super high five that paid uh, over $1,200. And then uh, down the road at Santa Anita, a $1 super five that paid over 1300 So whether you're playing John's game or any other tournament or just going to the track, come on over to Winning Ponies and get your easy win forms. I want to thank John Ball for joining us. Going to take a quick break. And when we come back, one of my favorite writers and just people to have on the show, none other than Gary West. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, accomplished uh, author, uh, handicapper, uh, turf writer, uh, you know, former uh, president of uh, the uh, the Turf Writers, uh, National Turf Writers Association. He's just uh, done it all, and now it's the turf writers and broadcasters, I understand. And I was worried, I think it was about a year ago, Gary, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that we were talking, and you said, yeah, John, I think I'm going to pass on the Derby this year. I'm like, what? I was praying you weren't going into retirement, but I see that Jenny Reese lassoed you around the neck and brought you back uh, through uh, you working on the Thoroughbred News Service. Well, she did. It's a interesting project and i think a very worthwhile project some people are concerned that horse racing isn't getting uh, enough attention in the in the broader media and one of the problems of course is newspaper staffs are are short and uh, newspapers have cut back and there aren't enough people to generate content and frankly most of the people that are now left on newspaper staffs or or even radio and television staffs don't know much about the game and so so people got together and decided why don't we just produce some content and put it out there and let newspapers or magazines or anybody have it for nothing and and i thought that was a worthwhile project to try to generate some some attention and some goodwill for the game and so uh, I'm I'm on board here. Of course, Jenny is steering the ship, and I couldn't be more confident in in the person at the helm here because Jenny, as you know, is terrific. So uh, we're we're trying to come up with some stories and help help America uh, help America pick its Derby horse. This is such a great event. It is the most watched sporting event in the country next to the Super Bowl. And most people, up until a few minutes before post-time, don't even know who's running, don't know much about it, and don't have a derby favorite. But maybe if we can come up with some stories that will pique some interest, we will get a, uh, a group of people 
maybe a large following uh, going into the Derby who can uh, pull for their horses. So we're, we're trying to get uh, uh, in, a, in a position to help America pick its Derby winner. And uh, that's the goal right now, to follow these horses through the Triple Crown and, and to uh, show people how great the sport is. And, you know, there's so many participants participants from all over the country. Uh, Jenny and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, that uh, you, you, to find out that uh, some guy, well, and how about someplace uh, near Nogales, Mexico, <laughs> you know, uh, is uh, doing rather well uh, in the Kentucky Derby, or it, it could be, you know, uh, you know, Pittsfield, Ohio, and people don't know that their owner actually owns a horse in the Derby, to do, right. all of a sudden to file a horse to to those smaller papers and it's like oh you know i you know i, I didn't know frank Minyaka had a horse in that going to the kentucky derby and all of a sudden it becomes a local story but but you and your organization have already done a lot of the work for him and you're telling them take this story and run you know you're not uh, there's no yeah there's no copyright infringements well i, I couldn't help but uh, allude to the guy who grew up on a ranch in nogales arizona because uh, i just recently read a story and what's great is the story of course written by gary west uh it's up there now in the thoroughbred news service which you can subscribe to for free uh by getting a hold of uh, trackside.jenny.com uh, i do believe it is and uh so anyhow, uh, you are you got to stay on top of it now because I believe that Gary, you're you're putting out a weekly Kentucky Derby themed column and uh, free to media outlets for any appropriate use. Uh, but it, this week was uh, was on a guy that, and you even said you know he's kind of the poster boy for racing right now. But the the fact that he is closing in on on an amazing. Uh, lifetime achievement for some guy that just wanted 20 horses at Rolito Park to be, you know, the the uh, the way that he went out on top in life. Uh, the, the fact that uh, uh, he, he's uh, closing in on uh, Ben Jones's unbreakable record, we thought. But you make a really good point that we're comparing apples to oranges here because of the size of the foal crops and the fact that he had the top stable in the country versus Baffert winning five derbies with five different owners. Right. It, it's it's pretty remarkable, really, uh, what Baffert has accomplished in the Kentucky Derby and, and throughout his career, and particularly uh, amazing given his his background, which is rather modest, he himself would admit, uh, going up on a on a cattle ranch that also had chickens, and you know he rode horses. His father had a few quarter horses. He rode match races, and he wanted to be a jockey. Gave that a try for a year. That didn't work out. So I think he won a total of thirty races, by the way. Um, and <laughs> so he had a, a modest riding career. And then he went to college, went to Arizona, and came back and started training horses. And so here we are in the late 1970s, and he's thinking, man, if I could just train a stable of 20 horses, I will really have made it. I will have arrived. <laughs> I'll be a, I'll a big-time trainer if I can just have a stable of 20 horses. And, and here he is now um, looking at a possibility of tying Ben Jones' record of six derby victories, a record that Many people, including myself, thought would never be uh, never be broken uh, or tied. I can remember years ago thinking, well, nobody's ever going to win six surveys. That's impossible, particularly now. And as you point out, it is comparing apples and oranges during the 
Uh, ben Jones era, we're talking 38 to 52, the average uh, full crop was, was only about 6,000. And now, of course, uh, during the Baffert era, we'll call it, his, uh, his, the average full crop with his five uh, derby victories has been 30,000. And it, it just stands to reason, you know, if, if uh, I have to compete with one person for a piece of pie, I have a 50-50 chance of getting that piece of pie. But if I have to compete with with 100 people for that piece of pie, well, uh, my chances diminish greatly. And, and, and Baffert's come up with a, a derby horse, a derby winner, five times. It's amazing in this era when the field sizes are now 20 with regularity back in Ben Jones' days. Uh, the field size was, was 13. And then, of course, you had Ben Jones training for Calumet, which dominated racing. Uh, and, and Baffert, uh, he, he's got to go out and find these owners, and, and uh, of course, they find him. But he's had five uh, owners for five derby winners. It's, it's a completely different situation, and I think it's a very fair uh, argument that Baffert's accomplishment, five derby wins, is much, much greater than Ben Jones' six. Uh, and, and, of course, Baffert might, might soon catch Ben Jones and win his six. Another factor in that is, is Ben Jones, of course, trained during the 1940s. Of course, that's a decade of World War II. And, and because of the war, horse racing shrank considerably. The folk crop declined 14%, and some racetracks actually closed, including Saratoga. It was closed after its 1942 season and didn't open again until 1946. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that until I read your story. That was amazing. It was. It, people don't realize that the, uh, the, the the country was devoting itself entirely to the, the war effort. And, of course, that meant uh, a, um, a curtailment of transportation and a curtailment of amusements, such as horse racing. So uh, it was a different world, a much different world in the 1940s when Ben Jones won six than it is today when, when Baffert's going for his sixth win. And he's got some pretty nice horses that might get him there. Uh, he always does, and he does again this year. Again, you can get that from the Thoroughbred News Service, folks. Uh, Gary, uh, a weekly column, and that was just the most recent one I had a chance to read. Well, Gary is a is a kid who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, son of a jockey, grew up in New Orleans. Uh, you're very familiar with the fairgrounds. And I, I was so glad that they, they wasted no time in naming a race after our friend Bob Fortas down there. I, I, I was so happy to see that. Um, no one deserved it more. He, he loved racing. He was uh, an exemplar as far as um, being a turf rider. He, he made everyone better who tried to, to live up to his standard. And, and I was so glad to see the Bob Fortis Memorial Stakes uh, run this year. Um, and, and, uh, um, I, I hope it's it's run forever. I hope we never forget uh, what kind of person, what kind of great person Bob was. Oh, absolutely. Well, you, you, you know that you and I won't, but let's let's move on to the fairgrounds. Al Bob, he could walk home from the track after a day of covering the races there. Uh, so popular now has the Risen Star become that they, they've split it. But they kept the four hundred thousand, so they keep the fifty, twenty, ten, five uh, points to the Derby. Basically, the winner here probably has punched his his ticket and won't have to do too much. But you're going to have to do something in uh, the 
I think race 12 is the stronger of, of the two, Gary. Um, you, you've got five horses coming out of the LeCompte, including a, a very close one, two, three finish. And they're all back in. Uh, I, I was very impressed with the winner in forcible who I, had to go back and watch the replay several times to find out where he was in the race because all of a sudden he just appeared on the screen and uh, got the job done. It looks like ever since Mark Cassie decided to move to blinkers, this horse has really woken up. But, man, you can't take anything away from Silver State from reading the trouble lines in his races and watching that one. Uh, bobbled at the break, was bumped, was six wide, only got bank, uh, beat a length and a half. And, of course, uh, Mr. Monomy uh, ended up finishing finishing third in that race. I know there's still a lot of legit horses, but um, how did you see this edition of the Risen Star? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on this one in that I'm impressed with the uh, the horses coming out of the Lecomte and Forcible and Silver State, most of all. Um, they both had trouble in the Lecomte and Forcible raced very wide. Silver State I, I, I have watched him several times, and he strikes me as a horse that has enormous potential. He, by the way, is an enormous horse. He's a big horse, and I think that's part of the problem. He's not very nimble, and so he hasn't been able to um, athletically avoid trouble or get out of trouble. And he, he, in all of his races, he's been he's been in trouble. And I worry that uh, he's going to be one of those horses who's always finding some trouble and a way to lose. But if he ever puts it all together, I think Silver State has uh, the potential to be in the vanguard here on the way to Kentucky. I think he's a very, very capable horse. Um, But again, Enforceable really woke up in his last race. Those two, I thought, ran uh, just ran terrifically in the LeCompte. And I look for them once again to be the horses to beat here. All right. Well, that's going to be the addition of the Risen Star just prior to race 13, uh, which is also, you know, the the second part of the Risen Star. Um, again, I think the, the one we just discussed might be a little bit tougher because of the three horses we're talking about. But this one's going to be a tough just on the, the presence of Anu Dior, uh, who, if not for a head bob, would have been the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Champ and perhaps the Eclipse Award winner last year, comes back, runs a bang-up race over a good track at uh, Los Al, and uh, has since been, uh, you know, training very well. Um, uh, what, what I, I guess they saw something about the horse and the way he's just been getting beat by head bobs, uh, and, and they're throwing blinkers on him. Uh, is, is a new Dior, the Colt, the beaten here? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, he's, as you point out, he's, he's two photo finishes away from being a champion. Um, he might be, he might be a, a, a very good horse and might be on his way to developing into a very good horse. I know that his connections, Blaine rides the trainer here, thinks this is the kind of horse who, who will relish longer distances and uh, although he hasn't run in quite a while, uh, they're not worried at all about the risen star distance of a mile and an eighth and think that's going to play to his favor. 
I, I think he's strictly the one to beat. And I, I hope he runs a big race and we can include him or keep him included among the, the top contenders for the Derby because he looks like an exciting horse to me. And it would be nice to see uh, the Northern California connections uh, present at Churchill Downs and present on the Derby Trail. Uh, Blaine Wright's had a lot of success, and he's an up-and-coming trainer, and and uh, I think it's going to be fun to see to see him involved. Yeah, and certainly with uh, being a son of Medaglia de Oro, uh, out of a tap at Mare, uh, it has credentials to easily get the mile and an eighth, and who knows, maybe a mile and a quarter uh, on Derby Day. Again, uh, you win either of these races, you're in a pretty soft seat for the Derby uh, gate uh, to get in there, the new gate they have for 20 starters. Um, and so I think that's the standout there. I think that the race, the rest are running for place. I, I, I've got to guess that he tried the blinkers in some of those workouts and he's been working lights out at Golden Gate. So uh, I don't know Blaine Wright, but I've got to guess his decision-making is dead on with a horse, uh, as, as you said, could easily have been the champion last year. Yeah, he's, he's strung together, I think it's what now, three three bullets at uh, Golden Gate and uh, most recently uh, three quarters and 12 and change. And he's, he's, he's worn blinkers and that seems to work. Um, and, you know, we, we sometimes forget that these horses are so young and inexperienced. This horse has only started three times. He's still figuring it out. Um, and, and that's why these horses can take such a huge leap forward this time of year when suddenly the light bulb goes off and they realize the meaning of all this running in circles is to get to that wire first. And that <laughs> light bulb goes off and, and they figure it out that, that they can sometimes improve five lengths overnight. And, uh, uh, I hope we see that in the risen star from a couple of these horses. Well, let's move on uh, to the Rachel Alexandra, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you'll know the answer to this. Was this not the Fairgrounds Oaks before Rachel Alexandra won it? No, I, I, I think the Fairgrounds Oaks is going to come up uh, the same weekend as the Louisiana Derby. Um, so this used to be what was it, the Tiffany Last? I know they changed the Tiffany Last. I think they might have changed the Silver Bullet Day was was the first one. I'm not sure what this used to be. You might be right. I'll have to check on that, but I, I don't think so. I think the uh, the Fairgrounds Oaks will be the last one in the, in the sequence. You know, that's probably why I'm confusing it, but I was there the day Rachel Alexandra won in the rain with Calvin Burrell up, but it, it could have it could have been another race, and they they may it may have been the Oaks, but they just switched the name to this race because they wanted to make right. sure that she was recognized because uh, these fairground races for Phillies uh, o- over the last half a dozen years have been uh, very much of a mark of a horse that can do well in the Kentucky Oaks on the first Friday in May, and again you better go back and look at the running of the Silver Bullet Day on January eighteenth. I do believe the winner's going to come out of there, but it's not necessarily finite who won it. You've got uh, Ursula who was in there. you got Tempers Rising, and Tom Amos is going to throw blinkers on his glory, who was right there with the pace and then uh, got disinterested in the lane. Um, so go back and watch the Silver Bullet Day because the winner's going to come out of there, but I can't tell you which horse it'll be, Gary West. Well, I, I wish I could uh, offer some assistance, but I'm 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 with you on there, uh, on that. I, I think um, uh, Ursula to me is very intriguing. Um, I, I I liked her in the Silver Bullet Day, and and I like her moving forward. 
Of course, Finite is a very capable filly. I, 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 looking toward Kentucky, I, I'm not sure I see Finite getting a lot better. You know, she's, she's strung together some wins. She's so good right now. And I think uh, uh, she's, she's reached a peak level of performance right now here in, in, in February. And uh, I, I'm looking for some others to move forward from here. Well, that horse has never been worse than second. So, uh, and from the Asmussen barn, I mean, he's just so loaded these days. Um, but, uh, you, you know, Tepper's rising was flying very well and, uh, you know, w- was a, a bit wide on the turns, uh, ended up running third only a neck. I mean, again, it, w- it was a three horse photo and, uh, Ursula, a daughter of Tappet. So, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable how, how this horse is, uh, they're staying sound and they're making it to these big races. It's like, you know, you, you, you open up a, you know, a form in a graded race and there better be at least two tappets in there. Um, Gary, did you get to look at any of the nice races on the, the, uh, the undercard, uh, like, uh, the, uh, the mine shaft, uh, I believe is one no. and Go ahead. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. I didn't look at them. I just glanced at the entries. I know um, what Synchrony's running in the uh, turf race, uh, uh, and of course he he loves that turf course. And uh, Mott's bringing um, um, who is it back in the in the mine shaft? Um, that that should that should be interesting. I want to return though to a point you made about the fairgrounds races in that series for Phillies, and you're you're absolutely right. If you look out over the years, the last decade anyway, at how many champions and Kentucky Oaks winners have come out of those fairgrounds races, it is really astounding. And that's one of my quarrels, uh, well, with the Graded States Committee. They, they, I don't think, give that the, the fairgrounds uh, Phillies races uh, the, the credit they deserve because they have produced champion after champion, Oaks winner after Oaks winner. It's just a great series, and you always have to pay attention to the Phillies coming out of there. Yeah, and what's interesting, the fact that the grading hasn't moved up. I know there's no politics involved, but it is a Churchill Downs track now. Am I right? You're absolutely correct. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, again, this is, I believe, on the Oaks Trail. This the Rachel Alexander is the first uh, fifty twenty ten five uh, race, so it's at least getting its uh, cr- credit from uh, Churchill Downs as far as they know how important these races are to, to their big races. Uh, well, well, Gary, now that you're, uh, you're signed on, uh, somewhat with the thoroughbred news service, I know it's not a nine to five job. Uh, will you actually be attending the Kentucky Derby this year or will your work be over? We haven't, we haven't discussed yet what we're going to do for, for the Derby itself. Um, we know that by that moment, um, the, uh, the the coverage will be out there, and so I'm not sure what our role will be. At this moment, I would like to be at the Derby, so I'm I'm, I'm thinking I probably will be. Um, but uh, but we have to figure out what our what our roles would would be there to assist in in the coverage of of the sport. Well, you know, uh, be, between you and Jenny, they'll be unknown be- stories. There'll be plenty to cover and plenty of things you guys could do. So I do hope you end up out there, Gary. I haven't seen you in person for a couple of years, and uh, I'd look forward to seeing you when we're not just talking on the air. My pleasure, John. I hope to see you soon. 
All right. That was Gary West. Again, sign on to the uh, Thoroughbred News Service. I told you this a couple of weeks ago uh, when, when we had uh, Jenny Reese. So uh, what it is, is it's one word, Trackside Jenny at gmail.com trackside at gmail.com and you can get on there and get uh, not only uh, gary's uh, columns but he gives out a fresh top 20 list every week well that's it for this week's edition of winning ponies want to remind you a lot of good handicapping on the card including a derby prep race at golden gate you might want to check up on and that's the el camino real derby and that's got derby points uh so that's one you want to check out but use the easy win for Come on over to Winnie Ponies and check them out. We're just giving money away. So for John Ball, Gary West, and my producer, Josh, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.